Hey y'all, welcome back. It is Lynn Howard and this is Road to an Abundant Author Life. This week we have Sandy Cooper. I was so excited. I heard her on another podcast and I was like, I gotta get her on here because you know how I'm always preaching about social media being a time suck and no, you don't have to be on all the social medias. She's all about that. So I'm going to go ahead and read her description on her webpage or website. Sorry, that sounded so old fashioned. And then we'll get straight into the interview. So it says, major confession. I've struggled with balance since forever. And also, I apparently have a thing for sitting on tables and countertops and heels. There's a picture so adorable on her website. Through most of my 20s and 30s, I was harried and overly busy, disorganized and unfocused. Juggling my career, my home, my marriage, my ministries, and eventually my babies left me feeling drained and inadequate. I desperately wanted balance, but balance felt impossible. I remember looking at other women at work at Target and their cars passing by me, and I assumed they all knew something I didn't. I was convinced I was the only one who couldn't figure it out. I thought everyone had everything together but me. This was the 90s, so I couldn't Google balance for answers. For half that decade, I had stirrup pants and a spiral perm. See picture. Oh my gosh, you guys. We all had the, the spiral perms for you youngins. But no internet. These were desperate times. Yet I was determined to crack the code. If there was a tip, a system, a secret ingredient to life balance, I would uncover it. Two decades of researching, and I have learned a lot about what balance is and what balance is not. Turns out there's no secret ingredient, but there are healthy ways to approach life that lead to balance. I want to share all the stuff I've learned. That's why I'm here. So let's get into the interview, and I think you guys are going to love her as much as I do. Okay. Hello, Miss Sandy Cooper. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's good to, well, I can't, I was going to say it's good to see you, but uh, we don't I see each other. You. I can just hear you. It's good to talk to you, Lynn. Thank well, you for inviting me here. Long time listeners know I'm a hot mess. We don't get on camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I used to do live readings on my channel and I'd have to get up and put makeup on it. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. Fair. That's so fair. I, I heard your interview on another podcast. And I just fell in love with your message and mm. fell in love with you. So can you tell us about your journey of breaking free from social media? Yes, uh, sure. So I, I started a blog and joined Facebook back in 2008. And I immediately started sharing my work there on Facebook with my actual Facebook friends who were my actual in real life friends back in 2008, because that's kind of how social media worked back then. And it went really well. And I had a blog post go viral on Facebook and Pinterest, which I don't even know if viral is a thing anymore. But, um, but back then- It's still a thing. Okay. Well, it happened to me and it crashed my site and it was very exciting, but that brought with it thousands of new people who started like following me and sending me friend requests. And so that meant at that point that I was no longer communicating with long lost friends and family, but with complete strangers. And of course that has its own advantages and disadvantages. But at, at the time, social media yielded a really high return for a very small investment. So this was the time also that publishing houses started taking notice of bloggers. And one by one, the bloggers who had started the same time as I did were getting book contracts. And since I was actively seeking publication at the time, I was told by publishers and agents that I needed to focus on building my following. And they called it platform at that point. And I was told I should try to get around 5,000. 
Oh, and Lord. I said, great, I can do that. <laughs> so by 2016, I had Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram, and all of it is taking up a tremendous part of my life, probably four to six hours a day. And I was trying, because I, you know, I'm trying to keep up with literally every person I had ever known. I'm trying to grow my quote platform. I'm trying to um, keep up with my kids' school Facebook parent page and my kids by this point are now old enough to, my two older ones anyways, old enough to have their own social media accounts. So I'm actively monitoring their presence. Right. And I'm paying money to be part of paid Facebook groups because I have like a writing group and a mastermind and one where there's like how to grow your, your social media. So I'm doing all of that. And all of that contributed to what I now understand to be a social media addiction because I was on it all the time. Yeah. And I really started to question whether or not this was the best use of my time. And so I started doing all the things that they started telling you to do, you know, to put boundaries around it. So I would break over the weekend or maybe I would break a month in the summer or sometimes I would take like January off. So fast forward to 2019. A couple things happened in succession that caused me to take a one-year break. I wasn't planning on getting off entirely. It was just, I was going to take a a break. So first, I attended a writer's conference in the summer of 2019, and I took a book proposal and sat across across from agents and publishers where the resounding message was still that my platform was too small. And specifically with the social media numbers, which now feel like a moving target because the 5,000 number that I was given several years prior was now 50 to 100,000. They wanted me. Oh my gosh. Exactly. (laughs) That was my response. And so I was already devoting hours a day to my social media and it would, if I wanted it to grow, I thought, well, I'm either going to have to hire someone to manage it for me, which I know people do, um, or I would just need to devote more and more time. So um, that became a huge matter of prayer to me. I'm a Christian, and so I'm talking to God about it the whole time. The second thing that happened was I was listening to a podcast, um, and the episode was entitled How to Pick a Social Media Network as an Author. And I was so desperately seeking guidance, but you know, about this at the time that I was willing to consider that maybe I was just doing it wrong. You know, maybe I'm just not on the right platform and that's why I can't grow it. And so at the end of that episode, the host of the show, which happened to be the same show that you heard me on, yes. <laughs> which is how you heard, um, he said at the end of that episode, if you are a writer seeking publication, then the best use of your time is to get off social media and go work on your book. Yes. And I had been praying and wrestling with this decision for so long and so hard that that one statement felt like a direct answer to prayer for me. God put it right in your face. (laughs) It really did feel like that. And so I literally, Lynn, I walked over to my computer, wrote out an exit post for Facebook and Instagram, one for my blog, and I logged off on September 11th, 2019. And I wrote my book. And I decided to self-publish it. So I was like, okay, I'm not playing this game with this book. I needed it to get out. I had a specific audience in mind and they were waiting for it. So I thought, I'm just going to put it out there. So I returned a little over a year later. I actually waited longer than a year. My plan was a year, but (laughs) that was September, 2020. If if you do the math, you'll remember that was uh, right before the 2020 elections, which was a nightmare. Yes. And, um, and also the, um, 
the pandemic happened while I was on that break. So that was March of 2020. And so I came back and I was like, okay, I have very mixed feelings about this because on the one hand, I really did miss the people that I could only communicate with on social media. We had also relocated over that year. And um, I was, because the pandemic had hit, uh, some people hadn't even realized that we moved. So we moved from Kentucky to Florida over that time. And I thought, well, I probably need to tell people we're not there anymore <laughs> because I would have seen them in person, but you know, because of the pandemic, I couldn't see them. And because I wasn't on social media, I couldn't see them. So, um, and then I also wanted to obviously promote my new book. And so I thought, well, I'm going to come back. I'm going, I have new boundaries, a new resolve. This is going to be great. I had a whole year and four months off or three months or whatever it was. And, and I came in excited. On the other hand, I was only on for a very short time before I realized that I hated it. Mm -hmm. I, I thought, oh my gosh, like people had lost their ever loving minds on Facebook during that time at all social media, actually. It was so yes. divisive. This big shift had happened over the pandemic and those elections. It was a mess. And I thought, these are people that I know and love in real life. And I they're making me angry and I don't like the way this is affecting me. And so... um, so I decided at that point, I mean, I really just took it back to God in prayer, honestly. I, I was just like, God, do I have to be here? Because on the one hand, I feel like irresponsible if I just lob off this whole section of my audience. Like God had given me these people who were following me, and I felt responsible to be faithful to that, you know, to just be true to what God had given me. And on the other hand, I felt like... I can't handle this. I I hate it. Like there has to be a better way. God, can I, is it okay with you? Because that was really my main concern. Like, is God okay with me um, getting off and finding another way? And at, at that point, I didn't hear any, you know, audible voice or anything like, thus saith the Lord. Get the <laughs> it was more of a peace to just lay it down. Yes. It is okay. We can find another way. So on March 18th, 2021, I wrote a final exit post. I manually unfriended everyone on my personal Facebook account, which had was now thousands of people. I deactivated Instagram and um, I had long abandoned Twitter. So that was a non-issue. And Facebook weirdly made my author fan page where my biggest numbers were just disappear with no explanation. <laughs> it just went away. And so that solved that issue because I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. And um, so now I have a friendless Facebook account to stay connected with one writing group that I'm still a part of, but probably will get off of here in a couple months, a cooking group that I'm a part of because I attended culinary school and I like to stay connected to other chefs. And um, my daughter's school has a parent Facebook page and I like to just stay in touch with that. And that is the journey of my social media. I cannot imagine how long that took to unfriend every one of those people individually. You know, it was over several days. I just, I wanted to do it. For me, it was a very good exercise in why am I friends with you? <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> because some of these people, I'm like, what the heck? I don't even know who you are. And it made me um, see the people who, who were friending me or who were following me as people and not numbers. And when I went through each one and I went over, I made myself go over to their profile 
read who they are and consider, do I want to stay in contact with this person? And if I do, do I have a way to stay in contact with them? If it's someone that I enjoy, do I have a way to follow them someplace else? Do they have a website? Do they have a newsletter? Do they have a, you know, someplace I can, a podcast? And if it was someone in real life, I thought, okay, wait, do I have their number? Do I have their email list or not their email list, their email address? Um, you know, and it just made me do that. And it was very, I, I recommend that for every person, whether or not you are getting off social media to go through every single person who follows you or who you follow and ask yourself, who are you? And why why are you here? I don't spend much time on Facebook. You know, I'll kind of scroll for a second because I have certain people starred. My husband, Mm -hmm. my best friend, my mom, and my son. My mom's hardly ever on there anymore, but just to kind of see what they're posting. But Mm -hmm. I get so many friends. My husband and I are in the car world. He does pen striping. I get friend requests from those people. Um, Mm -hmm. I go to conventions for like, you know, book signings. I get, you know, friend requests from those people. But for the most part, you know, the algorithm, you see like the same five people. Yep. So I just I just don't spend um, TikTok. I get on TikTok periodically. My mom will send me like recipes, you mm-hmm. know, or like we both love funny animal videos. So we send each other those things. I've never been active on Twitter. I tried it for a minute. I just, mm-hmm. I was not a Twitter fan. Yeah. I do have a YouTube channel that I have abandoned once again. I was mm-hmm. not enjoying it. I yeah. was not enjoying it, the, which is funny. I'm an introvert. This part I love. I love mm-hmm. talking to people. Mm-hmm. So the podcasting, I love. I just, mm-hmm. the social media becomes such a time suck. And like you said, the negativity that yep. has come across during pandemics, during, you know, gun control, during elections, yep. it yep. was toxic. Yep, it is. I, I lost agree. a lot of people that, you know, author friends that I'd been author friends with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't align anymore. Like, bye-bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because I sure. I do talk to on the phone a few people regularly that I met through t- through uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. but other than that, I don't. Yeah, I I yeah. just like you said, it it's such a time suck. It's so toxic. It has become yeah. so. It, it it started out as such a great idea of staying. Like originally, it was just my friends and family. Same, you know. And now, and like you said before, the whole getting your platform thing—that is such a traditional publisher thing. They're still in the dark ages, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. they still think you need to be on all the social medias and have all these people, and they're not active. So, what's the point? Right now, what are some of the negative effects social media had on your life? Sure. Well, like you said, when I joined Facebook back in two thousand eight, I. It was actually a good thing for me, um, I think, at first, because I was in active treatment as in meds and therapy for a major depressive episode that had wiped me out for months. And so at first, when I first joined, Facebook kept me connected to people during a really isolating season of parenting. Because at the time when I joined, I had a newly adopted one-year-old who would not let me put her down and refuse to sleep alone. I had a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And so, you know, it's just a really busy time of parenting where you're just not doing a lot of socializing and I really needed to stay connected with people. So in that way, it was good. But by 2016, when I was spending those four to six hours a day and trying to maintain some balance in my life, I began to notice, and now I'm taking like those regular breaks, I started noticing that every time I got off social media, 
my depression and anxiety symptoms would decrease and I would get back on and I would, you know, come back from my break and I would be all anxious and weird again. And it was destroying my ability to focus. Like I was feeling glitchy all the time. I like I couldn't stay, you know, as a writer, you know, you have to get into those periods of deep work or you never get writing done. And right. so rather than thinking in like longer form and developing like ideas and stories, I am thinking in like little short things, like what can I post? What can I post? Yep. And I it's a whole different kind of writing skill that I w- did not play well for me. Um, of course, you just mentioned the huge time suck that was by the time I took that break in 2019, I had whittled it down like the the smallest number of time amount of time that I could spend on social media and do everything I needed to do was two hours. And so I was devoting a dedicated two hours per day on social media that was, you know, I didn't have two hours to spend on that. Right. And And add it up by the week, by the month, by the year. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so it just became this beast that was requiring more and more of me and was giving me less and less return on my investment in time and energy for sure. And we were talking before the show, how a lot of people try to put on these, unrealistic best faces. And we know that's not real life. Mm-hmm. We we know you're not getting up at six in the morning and putting on a full face of makeup and doing your hair to, <laughs> you know, to go for your jog or go to the gym. You know, oh my. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, yes. I roll out of bed and put on my workout clothes and eventually I'll get to it, you know, it's right. like, or my, exactly. I might still be in my lounge pants or my pajama pants, but it's, right. it gets so, what am I doing wrong? Yes. They're doing oh, this. It, what am I doing wrong? Yes, it really does. And you know, the my audience that I serve is overwhelmed Christian moms. And and that was a thing that I really had to wrestle with in terms of what am I not only what am I projecting to them when I'm posting on social media, but am I doing them a service or a disservice, I should say, by luring luring them onto a platform that is not good for them. Right. You know, it's it's not good for them to be there. So if I'm if I'm all, you know, you need to put do this and this for time management and you're, you know, you shouldn't have peace and not be overwhelmed and you should spend your time wisely and live out your priorities. Like those are all the things that I'm always telling my people. But then I'm like, hey, follow me on Instagram. Is that really consistent? Right. You know, because because of what you just said, like pulling them onto a platform where they're looking and comparing themselves to everyone that they see, including me, and that is not good for them. My my sister homeschooled her four boys at one point. Mm. And I remember thinking I was a failure of a mother because I wasn't Mm. homeschooling my kids and look Mm. at all the things she's doing. So instead of comparing myself, we're two Mm. different families, two different, you know, lifestyles. That's what happens with social media is we start comparing ourselves to what we're seeing. That's not real either. Right there. I can tell you, I did try YouTube. I tried the vlogs. People don't realize how many times they're moving those cameras to get those right shots. Oh, for sure. You know that how much so true. Yeah, how much time goes into editing and and the the music that they're adding to put that ambiance. That's not real life. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, they're not. Trust me, they're not getting out of bed. They actually got out of bed, put their makeup on, set up the camera, hit record, got back in bed. Like, right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. That is. Yeah. 
That's so true. I think it's good when people are more real when they are on social media. I don't think everyone is presenting themselves that way, but I think it's difficult to discern as a consumer of social media, which is which. I don't think there's a way to tell. When I think, like you said before, the addiction mm-hmm. where I love YouTube, I I can fix anything yeah. through YouTube. But That's there right. are there are times when I go and I watch like I'm trying to improve my my morning routine. Like I'm trying to get a, a more productive morning routine mm-hmm. because I because of my issue, it's like it's harder for me to get out of bed. But mm-hmm. you go and watch and I'm like, that is not real life. Right. I know you are not soaking in a tub with candles at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't I would like that life. That I, might I mean, be something I could work into my morning yeah. routine if you twisted have, my arm. When they have kids, you know, they have kids and they have white furniture and their house is always pretty and clean. You yeah. know you scooted everything out of the camera's view before you hit record. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yesterday that's funny that you say that because yesterday I had a photographer come to my house for a uh, new shots because I'm redoing my website. And I spent literally, let me think, three full days making a fake house. Yeah. Like, because I, I, I had to take down all the Christmas decorations because we're recording <laughs> at the beginning of January. And so that was, you know, step one. But then it was removing everything, just like you do when you're, I don't know if you've ever sold a house, but Staged when you sell a house, house yeah. Yes, I, Totally staged my house. And so you better believe because I want to never present myself as, you know, inauthentic, but it wouldn't look good in pictures to see like the big giant wad of cords in the background and all the remote controls (laughs) and, you know, all the kitchen stuff that I keep out on my counters. But I'm going to tell them, okay, just know my kitchen doesn't always look like this. It took me hours to take everything and put it away and hide it in the pantry. And now it's all back. So when I did my photo shoot and it's actually my neighbor right at the end of the street and I adore her, we actually, the office pictures were done in her office because my my office is very kitschy. Like I have all my little collections and I have my lizard and my cat, my dogs. And so (laughs) it's like, it it would not have been a pretty shot. (laughs) No, not a pretty shot. And then we we took a chase out to the middle of a field. And yes, where you always find one. Don't you know? I sit in this chase every day, like out in the middle of the field. field. Right at this beautiful sunset. This is how I always look. (laughs) This is where I usually am at dusk. (laughs) Don't you know? This is how all authors live. I remember watching movies as a kid. What was that? uh, Oh, gosh. I can't. Was it Bedeviled with Roseanne Barr and. Meryl Streep, uh, where Meryl Streep's an author and she's whisking around in those pretty silky dresses oh, and the big mansion. Them. And I thought, because I mm-hmm. wanted to be a writer since I was six, yeah. I thought that was going to be my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not. <laughs> I, do, I don't even want to put on a silky dress. I'm, I'm comfortable in my sweatpants. That's right. That's now, right. What benefits have you seen in your own life since you left social media? Sure. Well, I will say, first of all, I mean, it's kind of the opposite of everything that I just said. So increased focus for sure. That was probably one of the most profound differences is just the ability to stay focused while while I'm trying to write, while I'm trying to do deep work, um, improved mental health, less anxiety for sure. Um, personally, it forced me, and this was something that we talked about, we touched on a little bit earlier, but it forced me to confront my laziness when it comes to relationships, um, which is not necessarily a writing thing, but more just a life thing. Because now if I want to see how someone's doing, I can't just hop onto Facebook and look at their profile. 
Yeah, I've got to call. Yeah, I need to pick up the phone. I need to call. I need to text. I need to email. I need to make a coffee date, whatever. Um, but I would say the most pronounced and immediately gratifying thing was gaining back two hours a day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the- I know that the days that I've gotten, say my mom sends me you know, a, a TikTok and I go to look at it. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, it's been 30, 40 minutes. And these are like maximum three minute videos. Yes. My time is gone and my bra- I write fiction. So now my mm-hmm. brain is sucked out of that scene. So I've got to get up and do something mundane. Yep. So I've just lost all that writing time. It's true. TikTok is one of those, uh, you know, that, that was kind of coming onto the scene around the time I was getting off social media. And that is one that Thankfully, I was not fully sucked into it, but shoot, I can't, I can hardly, I can hardly click on a TikTok without getting sucked in and losing immediate 30 minutes, like you just said, because they are so highly addictive and entertaining. They, and they're made to be that way. It is, it is, I mean, you know, the industry, I, I spent, I spent, the summer, this past summer, doing a deep dive into the effects of social media on society. And um, because I wanted to really be able to talk with authority, especially to the women who follow me, because I'm trying to encourage them to make social media as small as possible in their lives. And and I was just um, inundated with information about how you know billions of dollars, billions of dollars are spent to incorporate the most addictive technology to ensure that you are there for as long as possible because your attention is their fuel. Yep. Their business model is built on, on, on the, the assumption that you will be there for long periods of time because that's how they make their money. And so it is no mistake that I mean, there's it. That's why you go on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram or whatever, and you get sucked in, and you look up, and you're like, "Whoo! How did I lose this thirty minutes?" Because because it's a David and Goliath battle. I mean, it really it, you are you are fighting an industry that is going to make sure that you lose if you if you want to engage with those platforms. Just understand what you're fighting because right. it it's a real thing. Um, it's, it's no, it's, I used to think the problem was me. Like, why can't I handle this? It seems like everyone else can handle this. Why can't I handle this? Well, I realized, no, no one is handling it. No, no one's handling it. My husband loves Twitter. He, he does a lot of like, you know, political debates and stuff like that. I actually stopped. I had an anonymous Twitter a long time ago and just coming from, you know, at the time I was a Christian stay-at-home mom and I would talk about gun control and I would have people wish that me and my kids got shot in the head and I would talk about abortion and people would wish that I got gang raped and got pregnant. And I'm like, what are you people doing? I'm a human being. Like (laughs) you can have a different opinion and still be kind and Mm -hmm. I don't hate anybody. I hate mosquitoes, mosquitoes and fleas. That's really all I hate. I don't, you know, I, I, I am in one of those, I hate spiders. I'm like arachnophobic, but I understand they have a purpose. One of the first questions I'm going to ask when I go home is God, why did you make mosquitoes? I know. Well, I live in Florida. That's like our state bird. No, (laughs) I do. I do want to go to Florida during the winter though, because I hear your iguanas fall fall from trees and I am a reptile lady. Like I'm a lizard lady. Nice. Well, I have never seen one fall from a tree, but I've heard that as well. I'll I'm let a, you know if I see one. I'm going to stand under with a net and go, come to mama. <laughs> That's so funny. My new babies. Oh, funny. So 
here's the question because a lot of the um the traditional publishers are still pushing if you want to sell books you got to be on all the social medias and you got to yeah. be active and you got to promote yourself 10 times a day so right. did you become secure obscure did you like just fall into the ether after you left social media yeah <laughs> Did you? Yeah, it's really sad. No, <laughs> no. Sandy Cooper is no more. She doesn't exist because she's not taking a picture of it and showing us. No. I, if I'll you didn't you, take a picture of the meal, did you really eat it? it never happened. That's right. No, I, I'll tell you, since I um, took that first hiatus in September of 2019, I wrote and self-published two books. Um, one of them was a 320-page Bible study, which was no joke. And I released over 100 episodes on my podcast, which now ranks as a 1.5% top podcast. Um, it, I have I have been able to do things like this and connect with people in ways and continue to sell my books, continue to sell my products. Like in no way have I, I my time is used so much better now. And more I feel wisely. like the, yeah. yes, there, there's so much more authentic connections um, like this kind of thing is so much better than you know, me just liking something that you posted on right. Facebook, or Instagram, you know, right. I'd rather have a conversation with you because this is going to, this is going to be how in, in a, you know, these are the kind of connections that connect me to your whole audience and yours. You know, if you were to come on my podcast, same, you know, you, all of a sudden you'd be able to speak to a whole new audience. It, it's so much more effective than than anything I ever did on social media. Yeah. I, I, and again, I'm an introvert, but I love having the interviews. I love connecting with people that are so much like me and have the same issues because honestly, this channel is geared mainly towards indie authors. We all have the same challenges. We really mm -hmm. do. Whether mm -hmm. you're a working mom or an at-home mom, or we all have the same problems. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah we all have sure. the same issues. So since you mentioned it, feel free to plug your podcast. Oh, thank you. Uh, it is called The Balanced Momcast, and it is a weekly podcast for overwhelmed Christian moms. So if you are any of those things, come on over and join us. We'd love to have you. I actually have the tab open. I'm looking at it right now. Nice. <laughs> On my, I'm looking right at it. I love, yes. love, love the cover. It is so oh, pretty. thank you. That thank is such you. a pretty cover. So how have you been able to connect with your readers, like grow your audience um, since you're not on social media? Sure. Well, it turns out that my reader is living a lot of other life. She's not on social media 24-7, thank God. So Say it ain't my, so. <laughs> it's true. I know. It's shocking. Um, since my audience is overwhelmed moms, you know, I'm just thinking she is working a job. Uh, most uh, like, I don't know, 80% of the people who listen to my podcast work. And so they're working a job. Most of them are attending church. They're listening to podcasts. They're attending clubs, meetings, conferences, they're taking their kids to soccer and dance. They're Googling their problems in their web browser. I can find her in so many other places. And so for me, um, you know, I, it helps for me to think of social media as like a packed stadium. Like that's how I always felt when I was there. Like I would, that I was in this giant packed stadium with a hundred thousand screaming people with only a few people having access to the stage, only a few people having access to amplification, a microphone. And I just felt like I was standing there screaming at, and maybe the person in front of me and next to me could hear me. That's what it felt like because of the stupid algorithm. Like no one was ever even seeing my stuff. Being off social media 
and the things that I'm doing now feel more like walking into a dinner party and having a conversation or or stepping onto a small stage where maybe a hundred people are there and they can raise their hand and ask a question. It's like a different kind of interaction. And so, so for me, practically speaking, um, I am connecting with the moms I know in real life. I connect with them. I can share my message and the things that I'm writing through my podcast. I can do it through my email list. Um, I invite my listeners to email me personally, and I reply to every single email. I send out a weekly email to my list. I reply to comments on my blog when people do take the time to comment on the blog posts, Um, which by the way, I just want to say this really quick. I have a freebie for your listeners, which is called 27 Real Ways to Grow Your Audience Outside of Social Media. And it's it's all the things that I'm mentioning now, plus a whole lot of other ideas, which, you know, I always, when people ask me how I'm doing this, I'm like, you have got to find the thing that um, moves the needle for you. Resonates, right. Yes. And feels good to you and plays to your strengths because not everyone is going to feel comfortable doing a podcast, but you might feel really comfortable going and speaking on a stage. You know, you, not everyone is going to want to, um, uh, you know, maybe put pins on Pinterest, which is something that I still do because that doesn't feel like social media to me. But you might really love um, putting a quiz out there and having people, you know, take your quiz. And so the three strategies that are working the best for me, because it's kind of, it kind of changes depending on what I'm promoting. But the things that are working really well for me right now, as far as like, as far as growth are quizzes on my website. So I have a quiz for each of my books. Well, I have a quiz for, let me take that back. I have a quiz for two of my books and uh, the third quiz that I have goes to a a seven day challenge to take a social media break. Um, I try to do a downloadable resource on almost all of my podcast episodes. um, And that is a really great way, an organic way to grow my email list. And then guest podcasting like this, I mean, just taking the time to go and talk to other people on their podcasts and being exposed to their audience is a great way. Um, but as, and then, so then as far as like nurturing that audience, it's definitely through my own podcast, talking to my people on, on my podcast and then through email. Definitely. I'm going to, so I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes, but I got to tell you that your analogy of standing in the stadium, mm-hmm. as opposed to being, that gave me the chills. Like yeah. I got, I got goosebumps. Yeah. I don't, I yeah. don't think I've, well, I think you might've mentioned that on Umstats, but like that was. I did. He told me he was going to steal it. And oh, I, that you is, please give me credit. And he goes only now. <laughs> do you, do you know how many times people have like, did you see on, did you see, well, I don't spend much time on there and I've yeah. got X amount of people on there and their algorithm. So it's yeah, like, I always like you tell said, people, I'm like, I, I'm not on your algorithm. No, <laughs> That's what I always tell people. <laughs> well, there's the, um, my ex-brother-in-law passed away. And I didn't see it till six days later oh, because no. I'm not on there very often. And right. because of the algorithm, exactly. I know, and of course they didn't call me because, you know, that's ex, that? yeah, that's ex-in-laws and <laughs> right. not that we're not, you know, I, I hate them and they hate me. It's just, sure. that's ex, you know, but For yeah, sure. it's, it's like you said, it's like screaming into a stadium it as is. opposed to what we're doing right now. Somebody sits down and they're drinking their coffee or driving mm-hmm. in their car or like I Take do folding, or folding my laundry or whatever, laundry, you know, yeah, same. That's, I listen to podcasts. Anytime I'm doing something where I can't like sit and type, 
I'm listening yep. to podcasts. Me too. Yep. And and how many times, I mean, just, I don't know if this is true for you, but I cannot tell you how many times I am in the middle of listening to an author on a podcast talking about their book and I am opening up my Amazon app at the exact same time yes. buying the book. Yes. I have bought <laughs> so many books that way. I can't, I probably have bought almost zero books because I saw an author on social media, uh, like a quick post about it. It's unless it's an author I already knew and was waiting for the right. book. Like, oh, yeah. yay, it's out. But, but I, I have discovered authors because I hear their heart, you yes. know, just being able to talk about what is moving them and why they wrote this and the story behind the story and all of, and I, I, it's such a better conversion rate. I don't have my phone in front of me, but there is a book I'm fixing to buy called The Thin Blue and Yellow Line Between Love and Hate. Mm. Um, and I, oh my gosh, my phone's on the floor charging. Um, <laughs> they were on another podcast I listened to. He's a Ukrainian author. Mm. And he's talking about, because he's in the Capitol, and his power is being run right now by a generator. So he's talking about his life experiences during all this going on with, you know, the, the war going on. And I was like, Oh, I'm buying it. But mm -hmm. like you said, from hearing these podcasts, mm -hmm. I actually had a book delivered, uh, Sunday and I didn't even remember what I ordered. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. <laughs> I listened. I'm like, Oh, I got to check that one out. And I buy me it. Too. And it was actually Brian Cohen's, um, self-publishing and email marketing. I own oh, yeah. the ebook from the, um, Kickstarter. Uh -huh. But I've learned that with with uh, nonfiction, I need it in paperback because yeah. I highlight and I dog ear and I do the same. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, rem with the exception of like Diane Duvall, like my favorite authors, I don't mm -hmm. remember the last time I bought a book from seeing it on social media. Oh, I yeah. lied. Uh, Megan Pierce. I found her on TikTok. And okay. I actually bought her book by accident. I clicked on it talking to my husband, but it was a great book. <laughs> it so wasn't it was like, even wasn't even a true conversion. Right. That was an accident. <laughs> it okay, because now I've bought all four of them, so it's it's okay. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, what advice would you give someone who wants to get off of social media, but they're terrified of their uh, that it'll affect their chances of um, publishing success? Well, I would say first of all. If your mental health is suffering at all because of using social media, then that's reason enough to get off and I wouldn't worry about your publishing success. So that would be first and foremost, because no amount of publishing success is worth your mental health. Amen. Secondly, I would also challenge that person to maybe redefine what they mean by success. So if success means to you that you land a contract with a major publishing house, but you hate your life because you're spending hours a day on an addictive platform and chasing a moving target, then maybe that's not success. You know, I feel like that's what a lot of people define success as. They're like, that's, I'm going to do this. That's one of my big things is what is success to you? Right. Because right. we don't, I don't care if I'm ever on the New York Times or USA bestsellings list. I don't care. Right. My, right. Mine is helping my husband retire early. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and, and here's what else I would say. Um, I would, I would encourage this person by the fact that businesses have been selling products and authors have been selling books successfully without social media since the beginning of time. And, um, you know, since about 2018, when Facebook implemented a new algorithm, the conversion rate, like we talked about for authors, uh, selling books on social media is about 
0.01%. So I, is it 0.01 or 0.1? I can't remember the exact, but it, it basically for every thousand followers you have, you sell one book. Yeah. So if you have 5,000 followers, you sell five books. So if you, if you wanted to go the traditional publishing route and you can show a publisher that you have a robust readership outside of social media through your email list or your in-person events or your podcast, then that is just as attractive to a traditional publisher, maybe even more attractive. And, you know, really at the end of the day, as long as you can sell books, that's, that's success to me. Like if, as long as you're getting your books in front of your people, there are so just so many other ways to do that. So I would just encourage that person. If you hate social media, I promise you there's life on the other side of it. Yeah. I'm trying to think other than like my goddaughter, I don't know that I've ever truly, I've even tried the ads, the Facebook ads, but since Me too. the mm -hmm. iPhones have come out with this new, you know, blocking thing. So it's not tracking. Yeah, you can, you can block the pixel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a lot of things have changed. I swear by Amazon ads. And then I have a newsletter and I have you guys. Um, yeah. I just, I, my readers are my people. Yeah. And I can't tell you yeah. how many of my quote unquote fans, readers have become close friends. Like I exactly. talk to everybody because yeah. I'm normal. I'm just a person. Right. right. You know? <laughs> I don't right. know how we all get. I have an email correspondence from Anne Rice from years ago. Oh, Because wow. she's just a person. Mm -hmm. It wasn't That's like really cool. we didn't become besties and braid, braid each other's hair or anything like that. But <laughs> she's, she is the author that got me into paranormal. So it was... I printed wow. it out. We printed it yeah. out and framed it. <laughs> That's really cool. Congratulations. Now, thank you. <laughs> she passed away in 2020, broke my heart, but mm. you know. We all die someday. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is correct. <laughs> We're all going to go eventually. Now, yes. how would you respond to an author whose publisher is telling them they have to have a social media presence? Well, okay. First of all, I would say if you enjoy social media and that's working for you, I would say congratulations. Like that's really awesome. You're um, in the minority. Yay. That's right. Yeah. And I would say go for it because I th there are some people who genuinely um, – enjoy social media and it works for them. I feel like, I feel like people who, who I, I know Thomas Umstead talks about this, that if you're already famous and people are following you because you're famous, I feel like social media works really well for them. You know, Beyonce or Donald Trump or, well, I, depending on what social media he's on, because I think he's been banned. Um, but, you know, if people who have been found their fame in other ways, it works for them. But if you, if, if you're just, you know, a normal person like us trying to strive to build this thing and, and your publisher is telling you, you have to have a social media presence. I feel like that's where the conundrum is. Um, and if you hate social media and you don't want to be there and it's taking its toll on you and your family and your time, then I would suggest that maybe that publisher, first of all, might not be a good fit for you. Um, I know that you can tell them no. <laughs> you could, you know, it's your life, it's your book, it's your decision. If you if that's not how you want to spend your time, I think it's okay to tell them no. That's always an option. Um, but and you know, I didn't know this before you and I got on this call, but I know that your audience is mostly um, true uh, indie authors. Indie. Mm -hmm. And so I would 
encourage writers to consider that option um, because self-publishing, there's so many advantages. I'm sure that you talk about on your podcast all oh, yeah. the time, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, higher royalty percentage, more control over your content, retaining your rights to the content. And, you know, I always thought that I wanted to be traditionally published. I was actively pursuing that for years. <clears throat> and now that I am an indie author, I, I'm not so sure I mean, someone would have to come to me with a pretty sweet deal for me right. to change my right. tune at this point. I mean, I would have to have almost 100% control and a very large advance in order and, for me to yeah, say yes to that. I get full control. <laughs> so that's I mm-hmm. have been with some small, you know, traditional presses. I hated mm-hmm. it. I hated mm-hmm. the lack of control. I hated not know, having control over the covers. I had one publisher. It was a urban fantasy. She wanted me to remove all the contractions. Mm. What? Oh my gosh. And another one had me change it from first to third and it just changed the feel of the story. I am going to go back and redo those. They've long since been, you know, unpublished, but I just don't like giving up control. And yes, a lot of this is on me. I wear a lot of hats, but I have started delegating um, Mm. some things because, you know, they say you have an abundance of time or an abundance Mm. of money. Right. I'm yes. still more at the abundance of time than the money, mm-hmm. but the mental health, <laughs> Yeah, I've had to, most of my social media posts, 99% of them, my PA does mm-hmm. uh, because I want to spend the time writing and I still do have to take care of the house. And I literally have doctor's appointments every month. I have yeah. one this month, next month in March, like every yeah. month, um, yeah. the animals, the cooking, you know, all that stuff. And sure. then I, because of the health, there are days that I have to take breaks. I can't keep up on social media. I can't post right. 10 times a day on every one of those. Right. And we just talked earlier, we were talking about 2020. Mm-hmm. That I stopped watching the news in April of 2020. And I actually took a week off of all social media yeah. because they had us all convinced we were going to die. Everybody's going to yes. die. Yes. You know, yes. and with my, my pre-existing conditions, I'm like, well, guess I'm going to write my will, you know, like, <laughs> yes, this is my time. This is it. <laughs> it was, it was fun while we, we had it, you know, <laughs> and then we come to find out we, our, our year anniversary of having COVID just passed uh, New Year's Eve, actually. Mm-hmm. I've only had it once. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a cold even mm. in like years because of seeing what was going on is when I started just kind of like I said, I'll, I'll get mm-hmm. on and check if somebody sends me a message or, right. you know, maybe when I'm waiting for the burger to brown, I might, you know, check something for a minute, like what sure. my son's doing or something like that. But no, I, I, I broke that addiction. Good I for broke you. that addiction. I Good just, for you. I think that's great. Yeah. It's my, no, my addiction is Google because I get down rabbit holes during, <laughs> during my oh, research. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yes. I do the same. Yeah. I have to be very, I, I mean, I think everybody everybody can be addicted to something. I just think, you know, I think it's really important to recognize what your triggers are and, you know, what, what is the temptation for you? And then you need to draw really good boundaries around it because yeah, it's, it's easy to get sucked into all that stuff for sure. I've even suggested to people that I was coaching in the past, you know, if you feel that you have to get on social media to check, set a timer, set a 15 minute timer. And that way you're going to realize, oh, wait, like yes. I was so in there and I forgot what I was doing because yes. it will pull you out of your story. It will take up time that you need for plotting, for researching. I have to make phone calls sometimes because there are some things you can't find. I mm-hmm. <laughs> Girl, listen, the things I research and the calls <laughs> I made, I called, I almost got to go watch a training with the SWAT team locally. I oh, got wow. overruled because of liability, yeah. but you can find these things without 
going on Facebook and Twitter and even the writing boards, like Absolute Write and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. Writer's Digest, those things can suck you in. I I wanted that approval so bad. I don't remember, there used to be a site that you go on and you post your story and people can upvote it. I Mm -hmm. got hooked on that. I was trying to get my story upvoted. I spent hours on that thing. Yeah. And then I realized, what is the point? It's not like I'm going to get a deal out of this. Yeah. You know, well, and I even find that like one of the writing groups that I'm, well, it's the only writing group I'm a part of right now on Facebook. That's one of the reasons I keep my account open is Hope Writers, which is, you know, a writing group that I've been a part of since 2016. And, um, and and even though it's it's a healthy place in terms of the way people interact and you know it, i th- i feel like it's very um encouraging and it's it's beneficial in terms of education and all those things and community the the problem for me as a writer where one of the reasons why i'd like to get off is because i get in there and just see what people are doing and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, she's working on her uh, query letter to her to, for an agent. Oh, maybe I should do that. Or oh, mm-hmm. look at those book covers. Maybe I need to update the cover of my first book. Maybe yep. I should do that. And but it's like you see 20 posts in a row, and people at all different stages of writing because there's over 2,000 people in that group, and so people are posting all over the place. You know, yeah. people who are just in all different stages. It it really as a writer, if you already know what your mission is and what the thing is that you should be focusing on, then you go and spend a little bit of time there. It can, it can so throw you off. And so even if it's not like super toxic, addictive type things, it's not for me, the best use of my time in terms of just how am I, you know, I, we all only have 24 hours a day. So and I only have a couple hours while my daughter's at school for me to really devote to this writing life. And so am I going to waste some of that time looking around and seeing what everybody else is doing? Or am I just going to get to work? And the the sense of FOMO, the fear of missing for out. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Love, That's a real thing. I love 20 books to 50K, but I kept catching myself, well, I did that mm-hmm. and it didn't work for me. And maybe mm-hmm. I need to try that. So I had to, I still go in excuse me, and check every once in a while, but mm-hmm. I've had to take a break because I was comparing myself, my journey to their journey. That is, that's the key right there. I mean, and I just don't know anyone. Honestly, I've been working with women and moms for over a decade now, and I don't know any of them who don't struggle with comparison. Like every woman I know struggles with comparing her journey to the journey of whatever other mom they're looking at, whatever other woman they're looking at. And so as a writer, we're not exempt. And I just think you really need to guard your heart. You need to guard your mind because if we have creative work to do, and if we're always looking at what other people are doing, it's really hard to stay focused on it. Yeah. The comparisonitis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. That's actually an upcoming podcast is comparisonitis and FOMO. Because we all do it. If they're, well, they're making six digits and they only have this many books, but I have this many and what? Okay, Mm -hmm. well, that's a different journey. Yep. You know, different genre of books, different, Different you know. Different reader, different. Right. Everything's different. Yep. And we all learn as we go. Um, I don't know if you've ever done Brian Cohen's, um, what is it? Amazon author ad challenge. I have not. The group, it only happens like once a quarter and it's like Mm -hmm. a, a week long. The group in there. He has built the most wonderful tribe of people. Mm, they I are so supportive and so kind. You know, some of these groups you get on and they they make you feel, I got off an absolute right. 
because mm. they would make you feel stupid. Mm, Instead of <laughs> offering a suggestion, like, okay, yeah. well, you've been writing for, you know, maybe at the time I was writing two years and had written a book, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. you've been writing 20, give me a break here. This group, oh, they're so, and they, they have volunteers that offer their time up and it's just, mm-hmm. it's a very supportive group. That's why I was, you said that hope, hope writers. Hope writers. Yeah. yeah it's very encouraging. I yeah. might have to check that one. I'm not yeah. on any writers groups except for 20 to 50 K that I don't get on very often. Have you, tra- have you been on authormedia.social? That's no. Thomas's group. No, that's I'll free. Check that out. Yeah. I'll go oh, check yeah. That out. They're very encouraging there as well. I would, I, that's that one is not on Facebook though. That one is he has it's off. If you just Google authormedia.social, put that up in your browser, it'll take you there. But it's on a separate platform. I, I think it's on Circle. Yeah, I might check that out. It's yeah. you know, it's and I have a pretty thick skin. I nothing mm-hmm. really bothers me, nothing offends me because I know who I am. But mm-hmm. when I come in and ask a question and you talk to me like a toddler, yeah, <laughs> no, know? thank you. I'm good, thanks. I'll just go yeah. Google it. Like right. you know, I just right. I loved having you on here. Thank you. You are so sweet here. and just. <laughs> I just love your personality. I've had some of the best guests on. I have been such a blessed person. Like I have well, had. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I just, I've had like such kind people and funny people and, and everybody comes on with such passion about their topic. And that's what I love. I love passion, love passion. And it's I love that you have invited me here. So thank you so much for extending the invitation. When I heard your interview, I had to have you. I had to have you on. (laughs) Like that day I went searching for you. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. It was like, I knew I had to have you on. You book up quick, lady. <laughs> yeah, I well, and I'm super protective of my calendar as well. So yeah, once I um, once I once I book something, I I I'm really big on keeping my margin because I also am still doing my own podcast and working on some other things as well. So I'm like my 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 ability to tour and go on other people's podcasts is pretty limited. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm trying to get more. Pre- I've, I, you know, everybody picks a, a word for the year. Mm-hmm. My word for 2023 is mm-hmm. me. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's me. That's right. That's because what you got to work on. I've spent 46 years putting everybody else before myself and to the point yeah. where um, I've had to go into therapy. And like you said, I do have clinical depression and anxiety. So I've had to take medication my whole life. But mm-hmm. that's part of what makes me so weird. But, you know, a- <laughs> it's just a quirk. Just yeah, a quirk. Right. And you right. notice I laugh a lot. I'm one of those people that's like addicted to laughing. So, yes. It's yes, the- me too. <laughs> oh, it's the best endorphin rush in the world. I love it comedy. Is. It and- is. Me too. It's a good coping mechanism. <laughs> when I get on TikTok thing. and I'm looking for funny animal videos and scare vines, and then you get to like political stuff, scroll, <laughs> scroll. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it. Yeah. That, that, and that is, that is the, what happens when you start going down that rabbit hole. Eventually it's going to show you something incredibly divisive and negative and because that's the thing that drives the algorithm. Well, something I've been trying to teach my nephews, my nieces, my younger siblings, if you don't like something, you don't have to look at it. That's right. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to cancel it. You don't have to protest. You just don't look at it. Just click off. That's right. (laughs) You don't have to do anything. You don't even have to comment or you don't, you just, just move along. Just move on. I don't, I don't comment. I just scroll on. It just, it is what it is. Like, okay, (laughs) bye-bye. That's again, that's another thing social media has done to us has made us so hateful towards each other. 
Well, and I think what it does is, and I, I know there's a lot of science behind this because they, they've actually done studies, is, is it triggers in us a very primal instinct to react to the thing that outrages us. And outrage drives the algorithm. <clears throat> and so people have, you know, you might find something, your cute animal dancing video or whatever, and and it might it might be the thing you go in there and looking for. But if you see someone who triggers you, makes you angry about a divisive political or moral subject, um, you are much more likely to react to that by sharing it, by responding, by putting something, you know, you, you interact with that, you engage with that post because of the thing that's in you. And so social media, uh, technologists and designers know this. They now know that this is the thing that drives engagement. And so they just keep, that's why they keep feeding it to you because your attention is their fuel and that's how they make their money. Yeah. And it just keeps you more. It's kind of like the whole fentanyl thing, the drug yeah. world just yeah, makes you more sure. and more addicted. Yes. Yes. That Can is I true. have you on again? I would love to come back. Yes. I love, I love passionate people and happy people. And I just, like I said, I've had the best guests. I really have. I'm, yeah, I'm to my own horn. I don't care. I've had the best guests. Well, you must attract them. See, it, it's, it's, it's because it's the year of you. It's my, <laughs> the year of Lynn. It's, it's all, Lynn's year. That's I'm right. I'm taking my health in my own hands. I've cut my hair. I'm actually going to get my nose pierced. Good for you. I have had a major complex about my nose my entire life. And I've looked at a picture of my sister. We have the exact same nose. There's nothing wrong with my nose. <laughs> You're like, I love her nose. So I'm going, I'm just, I'm at the point, I bought myself new clothes. Mm. I go to thrift stores. I love thrift stores because I like mm -hmm. old things and kitschy things. Mm -hmm. I love mid-century. Like I have, it's like a grandma's house in here and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but I always buy my clothes at thrift stores and my mom made me go to Nordstrom Rack. I'm like, mom, I am not going to be able to find anything in here. Girl, they got $20 and $30 shirts in there. I was like, okay, I bought myself two brand new shirts. Yay. I know. I was so happy. <laughs> okay. I'm well, I will come on here again if you show me your nose ring. Okay. I have to be able to see your face next That's time. That's a deal. That's we a don't deal. have to record with the whole thing, but I do want to see your face. So. <laughs> That's a deal. <laughs> be, be careful what you wish for because you'll get oh. a whole lot of me. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I get attached to people and they don't get to go away after that. <laughs> That's okay. It was wonderful talking to you, Sandy. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lynn. I can't wait till next time. See you guys next week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road to an Abundant Author Life, feel free to leave a review on whatever outlet you listen from. Click the subscribe button. And if you have any questions, email me at AbundantAuthorLife at Yahoo.com.